0: Sifter for the ear. News. Interviews. Reviews. Cinema. TV. Streaming.
1: Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. Have you seen a movie in the theater this century? If so, you probably were not watching it from a classic film projector, but from a cinema equipped with DCP, or a digital cinema package. From the digital, you might have figured this is a computer-based technology. And today's guest is Stace Carter, who specializes in creating DCPs. He's going to explain their origins and things indie filmmakers need to know when creating their projects for projection.
2: Sifter,
0: review of the week:
1: Leave the World Behind on Netflix. Director and co-writer Sam Esmile is best known for his TV series, Mr. Robot and his new movie offers a brilliant yet frightening look at a major disaster from a unique point of view. Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke play a New York couple who decide to rent an Airbnb on Long Island for a weekend getaway with their kids. The first night, a black man and his daughter, played by Mershala Ali and Mahaila, show up claiming it's their house and asking for refuge from a blackout in the city. Turns out that something much more horrifying is taking place, but they're only witnessing some of the side effects. Add to this consternation the potential racial suspicion that expands the already compelling themes. The performances are all strong, but it's Esmile's scenario and the continually twisting smart revelations that make the story so gripping. We never see the full impact of the chaos, which makes the truth even more terrifying. This riveting look at the reality of survival packs a dramatic wallop while offering sci-fi thrills and tension. I gave Leave the World Behind four and a half out of five stars so stace carter there i was in charlottesville at the john hodgman show on halloween and there you were
0: and there you were jerry it was great to see you that, that was a great show so much fun to see a podcast recorded in a large theater in in charlottesville um which is not what we're doing today
1: yeah yeah no we're just you and me actually i we did see wait wait don't tell me last year year before when they did it here in town that was kind of fun but unfortunately as you know you were at the hodgman show it was Poorly attended, I guess,
0: because it was Halloween. There's a lot that goes on in Charlottesville on Halloween. And uh, also, that's a... You know, it's a very uh, particular audience, I think, so um, right. as you probably noticed, it was the the nerdiest of the nerdiest, uh, which is why I was there. <laughs> I was, <so. laughs>
1: wasn't going to say that, but whatever. <laughs> so you were born and raised in Illinois. How did you get to Virginia?
0: Like a lot of people, Jerry, it was a girl, right? Uh-huh. Um, right. Came here right after college to hang out at my future father-in-law's house for a few months uh, while we were figuring out what to do. The plan was, like many of us, to go to New York or L.A., and Instead, I got into the production scene in Richmond and Charlottesville, which is where I met you. Right. I think through mutual friend Woody Sherman, and we were both doing a lot of work at Henninger in Richmond on the editorial side of things. Right. Footnote.
1: Henninger is a video production company that started as an editing company in 1983 and used to have offices in Richmond and Charlottesville.
0: And that was nigh on 25 years ago right or 30 even
1: yeah yeah and and you were as i remember back in those days you were doing a lot of work for carmax
0: that's correct well the early days i was producing for a um dot com startup out of charlottesville um that went great guns for a couple of years and then imploded and then yeah after that i soon moved on to carmax where i was for several years doing their broadcast
1: we want to talk about dcps because that's the core of this subject, but your first job was actually with CDs, is that right?
0: Yeah, so my one of my first jobs out of college was as a music editor at a compact disc manufacturer in Central Virginia. I don't know if you remember CDs or not. <laughs> um, hard to find anymore, right? Right, right. Um, I think, you know, aside from learning just so much about editing in general in that environment, that's where I also learned about quality control, because you could make a mistake that would get replicated 100,000, 250,000 times.
1: And then I know that you did obviously get involved in DCPs at some point, and that's kind of your main thing now,
0: right? That's correct. Yes. So I now uh, run a company that's been going for about five years called Creola DCP, And um, what we do is work with mostly independent filmmakers and festivals to help them get from their edit system onto the big screen.
1: For our audience, you first need to explain what is a DCP and how did that happen? We used to watch movies on film. So how did it evolve into that?
0: Well, this is a conversation I have about a half a dozen times a day with filmmakers. So um, it's a good, good question, Jerry. And a DCP is a digital cinema package, right? It is the software form of your movie that can play in a digital theater. So most digital theaters, they can't play a quick time. They can't play a Blu-ray. And this is for good reasons, actually. So it leads to the question of like, where did DCP come from, right? And I think it was 2002, early 2000s, a consortium of the major studios think, MGM, Disney, Sony, and others uh, recognized that media was moving to digital distribution. So they got together with, you know a bunch of engineering geniuses really, and asked, how is this going to work in terms of preserving quality, preserving reliability? And for security for for their intellectual property, right? So what they did was they came up with a specification that what is the software package of a movie going to look like and how is that going to play in a very secure system um, in every theater in the world? So what they did was they worked both on the hardware side and on the software side to create systems basically digital cinema playback units which are a computer that connect to a projector in a theater right. and play your you know software version of your movie
1: I, I know we worked together a little bit online when i played uh, dirt woman up in Charlottesville. Dirt woman yeah yeah at the virginia film festival you helped me get that i already had a dcp but you helped me get it ready for the festival <laughs> up there and how did you get connected with the virginia film festival to start doing that
0: well, first of all, I love Dirt Woman, and I want to see your next one. I know it, it takes forever to make a movie, and I know you spent a lot of time on that.
1: Yeah, that was 20 years, so in another 20 years, maybe.
0: We're, we're all on, on the tips of our seeds, Jerry. Yeah, so how did I get connected with the Virginia Film Festival? Well, after CarMax, I went to the University of Virginia and became a producer and an instructor in the digital media lab there. So for several years, I was working with faculty and students on you know, every manner of the way they would use digital media in art exhibitions, in graphic imaging for scientific results, that kind of thing. So it was a really interesting job. And close friend I made there, who's now the chair of the art department, is uh, Professor Kevin Everson at the University of Virginia. And he came to me, he's an experimental filmmaker, and he said, hey, I have these movies that have to go to Berlin and they want a digital cinema package. I don't know what it is. So I didn't know what it was either. So I looked it up, found some kind of shareware tools that we could kind of crop together to actually put this DCP thing together and uh, learned how to do it. For about five years, we just had kind of a, at first it was an informal, just helping out the Virginia Film Festival because at the library we had done that. And then when I left the university to go on my own to do some uh, my own production work, I stayed with the Virginia Film Festival as kind of a more formal support role in terms of working with their filmmakers, especially short filmmakers, you know, help them get off of their edit systems again and then to a DCP and then to right. the
2: festival. Surprise guest drop in.
0: Before
1: we go on on that subject, somebody that actually we've mentioned already wanted to drop in and say hello. Woody Sherman,
0: as I live and breathe. <laughs> Footnote.
1: Woody Sherman is a longtime Virginia based producer and editor. He actually mentioned your name earlier. Oh my god. <laughs> Gave you credit yeah. for ruining his career, right?
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. For keeping me in Charlottesville, that's for sure. There you go. Uh,
2: which particular career? We're talking about I <laughs> Right, I yeah. followed
0: you through six. So, Woody, what
1: can you tell us about Mr. Carter?
2: A lot of people know Stace is a very good musician, excellent keyboard player.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Uh, but you probably don't know that he was uh, a youthful Yamaha Electone Festival prodigy. <laughs>
1: footnote. Yamaha Electone was an electronic organ that debuted in the 50s, and the festival is still held every year.
0: Wow. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. So, Stacy, did you get to perform as a prodigy for a while in that? Uh, when I was a kid, uh, my first instrument was the organ, which really wasn't a very cool thing to be playing in <laughs> when I was in high school and college. Yep. Every music store that sold Yamaha organs and keyboards in the United, well, around the world would have like a little local contest. You know, in my life, you would work on a song for six months, right? That's all you would do. Not really probably the best way to actually learn anything. And then if you if you wanted the local store, you would advance to the regionals. My regional was like in Rockford, Illinois. It was really exciting. And then if you wanted the regionals, you would go to nationals, which were a pretty big deal. And then even on to internationals. So um I made a few regionals. My closest claim to Electone Greatness was that my teacher made it to the international festival. You yeah, it was a lot of fun and it was one of those amazing edit session moments that you have with, with somebody, you know, where, I mean, I think Woody and I had been working together for a while and that just kind of came out of nowhere and it was like, oh, my brother, I knew I knew you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, how has your relationship been with Stace all these years? Yeah, we we met each other uh, with the Value America client relationship.
1: Footnote. Value America was that dot-com that Stace referred to earlier. It was in Charlottesville in 1998 to connect web customers directly to manufacturers.
2: Because Value America imploded... And we couldn't stand not having Stace around uh, when I had Henninger Charlottesville. <laughs> we we uh, took him and put him in the basement and turned him into our new media expert for Henninger until Henninger had to pull back on stuff. In recent years, it's been more like getting together at night over a beer and some food somewhere in Charlottesville. You have any other good stories from all those days in the edit suites? uh no i don't have a good story from the edit suite i have a good story from las vegas
1: all right let's hear <laughs> it what stays in vegas gets on the podcast
2: uh, well you know i mean all i can say is he had one of the best quotes that i had heard in vegas when uh we were sitting in the bellagio at the nickel slots waiting to be joined by other friends to go out to dinner and this beautiful sophisticated woman came up to stace and said hi you want to spend a little time together? Oh, <laughs> <taste>. <laughs> very sweetly looked at her and said, I, I'm really not sure you can afford me. <laughs> I
0: did say that. It's true. That, that's a story you could tell. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and what did she say? I believe at that point, she just turned on her heel and kept walking. Yeah,
0: yeah. she's an efficient business person. So, you there know, you go. But that, yeah. that was a good time, Woody. and it, It's always a good time. I, it's one of my favorite things about our industry is that you can make connections that become true friendships. I mean, you know, after all this time, it's it's really fantastic. Even as we're easing into retirement, fingers crossed. Yeah, right? There
1: you go. We love it. Well, what do you want to thank you for dropping in? It's always good to hear from you and see you as well.
2: Good to hear from both of you too.
0: Thank you so much. I'll <laughs> talk to you soon, man. and best right, of luck. Carry on.
1: Uh huh. Bye bye. So we were talking about DCPs, and I know that you were You said you worked with a lot of independent uh, filmmakers. What are some of the things to tell these young filmmakers who have either a short or a feature that they say, "Hey, I got to get this thing to a DCP."
0: That's the great question, Jerry, and it, it's the primary question because I think one of the first things. That people maybe used to learn on the technical side of editing is to be thinking about your delivery medium, right? Right. And with YouTube and Instagram and TikTok, I mean, there's a million different formats out there. And it doesn't, you can just, your phone can do most of the work, even if it auto crops things. I mean, most of it's social anyway. So people have gotten used to creating content without thinking that deeply about where is this going to play and how do I have to think about that, right? The biggest thing we run into is that the DCP format, you know what the the movie screen is going to look like when the lights are off, really only comes in two shapes and sizes. The flat container, right? And then there's what we call the scope container, which is basically short for CinemaScope. You may remember this is kind of anamorphic. And the way that's done is a little bit different than it used to be with uh, celluloid film. So we get a lot of people that... Kind of, and and we've all done this, where you try and kind of fake some kind of widescreen effect in your NLE. A lot of them have it built in where it just kind of puts bars over the top and the bottom, right? Right, right. We get those sent to us as a flat instead of a scope format, which means that your, your film with the black bars on it already is getting squeezed down further. So we have a lot of conversations with people about how to maximize their resolution and to be using the right format for the way that they shot the film. Audio is just as important, by the way. So that's something we talk a lot about with our clients. But the fun part is really kind of seeing somebody like realize that vision and then just helping them with that last mile. How many times do
1: you see something that's just terrible and you want to say, you shouldn't waste your money on this. But of course, that's not your place to say that.
0: It's, it's not our place, but you know, it's interesting. I We had a new client in from New Zealand last month, and this film came through with just incredibly distorted audio. Right. And you could tell that there, there was music, there was dialogue, there was sound effects, but it was just, I mean, distorting like in the file. And so the fun part of this was I emailed this client and I said you know my guess is that you had this edited and then you pulled in a bunch of library music which comes in at a certain decibel level it's really not mastered for film I think in ter- instead of turning her music down she turned the dialogue up right ah. so I was like I'm just going to make a jab here and see if this might be your problem and she was like oh my god that's it I just need to go through and and remix the film so she fixed it and it went from being a film that I was like Yeah, this is just not ready for prime time to be. It's a movie now.
1: Great, cool. What would you say is maybe the biggest mistake that people make when they're trying to get something converted to a DCP?
0: Ooh, well, aside from scheduling, <laughs> which is generally right. the biggest one. Because it takes more time than they think, I guess. Well, yeah, it takes some time and it's phenomenal to me how many filmmakers and even our, our repeat customers were like, hey, I've got a new film and I need it in like four days. But it's also, it's a data intensive transcoding process. So, you know, a 4K feature can take up to 20 hours to process. But um, biggest mistakes, I would say, are looking at what your audio level should be for a theater versus for the internet or for broadcast. And those are just as important, if not more important, in the theater because everything that you're seeing in the theater is going to be 10 times bigger and a 1,000 times louder than you're experiencing it on your NLE.
1: Footnote. NLE stands for nonlinear editor, which is the computer-based method of editing video. And I remember I actually initially created my DCP myself, and then I think I had you all help me with some tweaking. Right. There is software to do that. What's the advantage to that? And what is your advice to people who say, hey, I'll do it myself?
0: Yeah. You know, first of all, I say go for it. I I don't know that there's an advantage to it for a couple of reasons. Oh, it's cheaper. It's cheaper. Time is money. And I, I think a lot of people will find as they're exporting their DCP, they will be getting about, what, four or five frames per second, something like that, which for a feature film can take a while. For a short film, hey, that's, you know, overnight. That's not too bad. But one of the things we find is that many festivals and also some cinema chains will reject a DCP that's made in either, I think it's Raptor for Premiere or Resolve. I think Raptor really? is the plugin for... Pre- yeah, and and I think there's two reasons for that. One of the things that's really important about the DCP specification, and one of the reasons it's helpful to get a pro to help you in this, is that part of what's important about that all the way through the chain is the actual name of your digital cinema package, the file name, or I should say directory name, that is what the projection is going to use to identify your film, right? And the way that specif- the specification breaks it down is that that name needs to include an abbreviated name of the film title, possibly, and then very specific technical information about the file. Is it 2K? Is it 4K? What's the audio format? What lens should the projector use? That's all built into the name of this, right? a projectionist will pull that up and they'll see something that is a non-standard file name, right? That's a red flag for them right there because they don't really have all the information they need. So unless you really get to know the spec, which is online, you can Google it and figure out how to name those files. There's just a big risk that a projection is going to reject it out of hand. And then the other thing is when you make your own DCP, Is the only way to test it is to bring it to a movie theater. Now, this is probably the nerdiest part of the conversation, Jerry, but probably the most important is that the majority of DCP playback systems in the world – are Linux-based appliance computers, right? So they're kind of like the computer in your refrigerator. They only do one thing, right? Right. So when you bring a hard drive to a digital theater, those systems do not connect to the internet for security reasons, right? They do not read a lot of different kinds of hard drives for security reasons. So the other thing you need to know aside from how to name your DCP, is how to get it onto a Linux EXT2 formatted hard drive but that kind of it minded side of it which is the least romantic is probably the most important and that's where we help you know is we we get it named right we uh get it quality controlled right and we get it delivered right
1: i want to jump back a little bit because we mentioned carmax and just kind of glossed over it what was it like working for carmax because they were pretty innovative back in the day when you were working there i believe
0: So when I came on, they were just starting to move from the 32nd television commercial format to the 15 second format, which I think in this day and age, you know, having watched not a lot of commercial TV, but like on the Super Bowl, I see it, they're down to like three to five second ads, right?
1: Crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But CarMax really led the way and like, we're just going to do a 15 second spot. It's going to pop, it's going to have something fun. And then here's where your store is, right? And then you would have to create a different version of that spot for every store you were advertising. Make like 45, 65 copies of your master, then create a text slide that was each individual store. And then we would roll it out to tape and then they would take it to another room and then shoot it up on a satellite and stations would pull it down.
1: So the last question I always like to ask everybody is when you're not
0: sitting there making DCPs, what are you watching? On Lunch Breaks, we've started watching Mindy on Hulu again. (laughs) Footnote.
1: Mindy refers to The Mindy Project, Mindy Kaling's popular sitcom that ran for six seasons.
0: We just wrapped up the first three seasons of a show on... Um, and we were watching on Max I can't remember it's a BBC show I think called Killing Eve with Sandra Oh
1: oh that's a great show actually that started on AMC did it go to I guess it's on Max now that's a great show
0: it was well they pulled it right before we watched season 4 which apparently was good because in my Reddit research apparently there was a new directing team on season 4 or a new writing team and I don't know about your thoughts but I read that it really went down the tube so I'm glad I kind of jumped off when I did
1: yeah we, we gave up on that i think after season three yeah that was sandra oh and Jodie comer who is going to do great actually she was supposed to be playing josephine in the new napoleon and she had to drop out because of some
0: other commitment she had yeah the the writing on i mean the acting was amazing but the writing on that show just I, i mean or the combination of the writing and the acting just really blew my mind
1: phoebe waller bridge
0: yep there you go
1: well, Stace, I want to thank you. It's so great to talk to you and to catch up, and hopefully I'll run into you at another show in Charlottesville one of these days.
0: Thank you, Jerry. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Okay, thank you. Take care, buddy. That was Stace Carter, whose company, Cryola DCP, specializes in creating digital cinema packages, which is the technology used to project movies in theaters. There's a link to his website on the page for this show at tvjerry.com, plus a fun photo of Stace as a kid in the Electone competition. Coming soon. In theaters. Wonka. This new version of the musical features Timothy Chalamet in the title role, with Hugh Grant as the tiny Oompa Loompa. Maestro, the story of Leonard Bernstein, starring and directed by Bradley Cooper, with Carrie Mulligan as his wife and Matt Bomer as his boyfriend. Fallen Leaves. This Finnish import revolves around two lonely people who meet in a karaoke bar. Monster, a misleading title from the Korean director of Broker and Shoplifters. This drama revolves around a boy, his teacher, and his mother. TV and streaming. The Crown finishes its final season with the last episodes on Netflix. Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget, also on Netflix. The Poultry Gang from Ardman Animation is back, and the title offers a hint to their new challenge. Trevor Noah, Where Was I? on Netflix. The popular comic recounts his travels around the world. Percy Jackson and the Olympians on Disney. The demigod leads a quest across America to prevent a war among the gods. Reacher on Amazon Prime, season two of this action crime drama. Have you ever heard of Rain or Shine? Chances are you've seen him in a movie or TV show. He's done more than 75. He's a Virginia-born actor who has an impressive resume, and he'll come out of retirement next week to talk about his work and his name. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more Sister,
2: including literally thousands Thousands of reviews, reviews. visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.